You're listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast with me, Nathan Johnson, and my co-hosts, Carl Kaczynski and Rami Bassi. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Beyond Digital Education podcast. This episode, we're going to be looking at a research paper that we discussed in a recent community of practice at the University of Birmingham. So it's called an online engagement framework for higher education. So I have with me today, Carol and Rami, and we're just gonna jump in and yeah, talk about the paper. Uh, yeah, so um, obviously this paper is looking at online engagement um, from a slightly different perspective. It's, uh, it's included two new categories to online engagement. So typically when we talk about online engagement, we're talking about cognitive engagement, we're talking about emotional and behavioral engagement. Um, but they've included into this um, a social element and a collaborative element. So I found this uh, framework really interesting in uh, adding a couple of new dimensions to what we think of as engagement. And of course, as Nathan mentioned, that we went to the community of best practice and we discussed the paper in details and uh, based on, on, on the feedback, it sparked really interesting uh, conversation in terms of, of what we can do as the digital education practitioners, what can it be done to implement that social elements and uh, collaborative elements into our practice. So question to you guys, what do you think we can do as the practitioners to enhance that social elements and enhance that uh, student's experience when they go through the courses? What I found really interesting, uh, sorry Nathan, I, I'll just finish this point. Uh, what I found really interesting about the group was uh, that um, there, there seemed to be quite a lot of in- agreement that the, the social element could be owned by the students, but it's how we kind of create the space for them or um, highlight the idea of it to them quite early on. So even if that is that they go away and create a WhatsApp group or a Facebook group or similar, um, just making sure at the beginning of the programme their expectations are set so they know that they can uh, they can have their own space to discuss independent of the lecturer and I think we went back and forth as to whether the lecturer the academic should be involved um, but I think that comes with challenges of its own yeah I was I was just gonna highlight um, that's quite that's quite a deep a deep question for the for the start um, in terms of actually um, as we discussed within the session what do we mean by engagement what do we kind of what ideas at the institution or as individuals and our roles um, do we see as engagement um, only until you get to that point can you then move forward in terms of okay then how how can we enhance that student experience how can we get more student engagement we need to understand ourselves first that's why I thought this paper was really good because actually for me um, with maybe a basic understanding of engagement or maybe as my experience is in um, web and marketing engagement is slightly different because there's a different purpose Mm. to what you want people doing essentially you want to get people in and to buy um, buy a service whether that's buy a degree um, whether that's just buy a lifestyle Mm. Um, that's what you're trying to do on a website and not necessarily engage in that kind of learning, um, so constructing that learning environment. Mm. Um, so yeah, I came in thinking, 
okay it's all about kind of getting people into the VLE or just how do we make that VLE content more engaging for the student mm. but actually what it's saying is there's so much more there's so much more not to um, the teaching it's about kind of that social that social side mm. the side that you won't see you don't see in a classroom and that's really interesting that collaborative engagement again you can create a group assignment but can you necessarily kind of foster that sense of engagement and as we're talking about an online environment as well I guess it's slightly different and I wonder whether there was one member of the team that was talking about push and pull uh, mm. in terms of engagement and um, so uh, perhaps being from more of a marketing background uh, the opinion is that people should want to come to you rather than you push things out to them whereas in an education setting that might be viewed slightly differently um, I, I mean I'm not suggesting that uh, students uh, should be inundated with information but what going back to what I was saying about creating spaces for them so that they go to them and, and add the content but um, yeah uh, I think uh, push and pull and engagement work differently in different spheres so when we're talking about education um, we really need to make sure that the students own wherever they're going even if it's the VLE the, the bit that they participate in they should own almost mm. and I think coming back to what Nathan and Yurumi said um, it's coming back to the nature of the uh, definition of the word engagement and what does it mean to be engaged in a higher education and I think there is a lot of em emphasis or attention paid on engagement and how we create this engaging environment for students but I'm just wondering, and this is up for discussion, and I would really like to uh, get some comments from anyone who is listening to us, um, whether just focusing on engagement does take away the focus on of learning. So the main purpose of the higher education courses or trainings is to change the behaviors, is to promote learning, it's to uh, employ students with specific skills or with certain skills um, and I'm just wondering whether when we focus on engagement and how to make this course like for example from the marketing point of view more uh, creative and does it take that focus on learning that final learning objectives away so we can but can't we strip it back and say what is engagement what is it um, or how are people looking at it so isn't it about students coming in and having to pay nine thousand mm. pounds so expecting or wanting a good experience so the onus is on more on you they're not necessarily thinking and forgive me if I'm wrong and speaking for everyone um, but they're not necessarily thinking Oh, how am I going to get the best learning from this experience? So certainly I went into university thinking, how am I going to complete this? How am I going to get a degree and a qualification at the end of this? It was only through kind of doing it that I started to change, change my way of thinking. And even then, I didn't quite like my university experience. So yeah, I mainly focused on the okay how can I get this qualification and, and get out so I think different people are looking at it in different ways and it's not necessarily all about okay how can we 
kind of foster this learning and because everyone's going to be kind of uh, approaching that or all students will be approaching that at different kind of um, directions so it's going to be quite hard to do mm. I guess um, what I think is uh, d- d- so on your point of does engagement translate to better results um, and just because they've been participating in the materials, not necessarily, but is that because we've been concentrating on the wrong forms of engagement? And then just to touch on, on Nathan's point about perhaps when he went into university, he had more of a transactional outlook on things like he's paying for the degree, when in actual fact, uh, just to draw it to what a, a previous member of staff said, quite a senior member of staff said, just because you pay for a gym membership doesn't mean you're gonna end up with a body, you have to participate. And almost the engagement is the first step to get yeah. into the learning. Um, so they're not if they're not engaged, they're definitely not going to learn. So does engagement translate to learning? Not necessarily. Does it detract from it? I would say no, because mm-hmm. that is a core part of whether they're going mm-hmm. to learn or not. And one of the things that is really worth thinking, and again, I'm not sure whether that's right or wrong, but a lot of students who are coming to the university at the moment, they don't have many ideas on what they're gonna do or end up in their career Uh, so sometimes they are coming to the university with a moderate or remote interest in the subject and when they are looking through the uh, when they are going through the process when they are going through their academic journey they they sometimes end up not having the best experience so actually having really good engaging courses might spark the interest and might you know might cause them actually really liking the discipline and, and subject that they are studying uh, this is why i quite like this paper um because it focuses on online engagement in a distance environment um kind of referencing different types of learners so potentially mature learners or um, people that are already in a career and working and at that point you've captivated a different type of learner you've captivated someone that knows what they're going into um, knows what to expect so the idea of an undergraduate student going in they may not have that kind of understanding of what they expect to get from it but very much in an online it's okay I have to weigh up all of these options if I'm ever going to do a degree so I need to make sure I'm engaged before I go in and you kind of that an expectation it would be interesting to delve into that a little bit deeper in terms of whether it is just the online element so a lot of the distance courses that we offer here um, at the University of Birmingham are postgraduate courses and so there are a couple of different elements lots of people do have that transactional mentality towards their degrees when they're doing undergraduate they're just going into it for a job whereas once you're at the postgraduate level you're already thinking like there's already more of a passion for it you might even be considering going into a, a PhD so it might be partly to do with the online element but also or the maturity element or also the fact that there are other factors at play here okay um, so I guess focusing on the paper um, did you find did you find um, kind of applications for the framework, for the use of the framework? What I found really interesting was uh, drawing the comparison with the the TPAC model, which is kind of technical knowledge um, and uh, content knowledge and uh, 
pedagogical knowledge, so sort of drawing those together. And then there's a sort of Venn diagram that's available if you look up uh, the TPAC framework. Um, and this, this kind of new element of um, student engagement seems to be almost uh, missing from that when developing courses, when developing learning, whether that's online or not. Um, but it is a factor that needs to be considered. Um, students aren't just coming to university now for the degree. Uh, in fact, students have never come to university just for the degree for the most part. It's about the whole experience. And when we don't consider that in our course creation, in our content creation, I think we're really missing a trick. Um, so yes, it, it did spark something in terms of, of how we view it. And especially the element of social interaction and uh, the social dimension and who is that role, who is that responsibility, is our responsibilities as the learning designers to promote and facilitate that uh, social dimension into that course, is that courses, is that academic and lecturers responsibility to foster that or does it belong to students and students need to own that. So I guess that's a conversation that needs to be had in terms of raising awareness um, of the different types of tools available um, and then positioning that in terms of, okay, this is social media, for example. This is something that you shouldn't be really involved in. It's a private space for students to engage with each other, um, which would be similar to, yeah, just people having a conversation outside or in the pub. Um, or a gathering or getting together that's that's a private space that the academic shouldn't really be involved in but that's a conversation that we need to have when we're advising academics on the best use of some of these different tools um, just to come back to the TPAC framework um, TPAC stands for technological uh, pedagogical content knowledge um, just yeah just to highlight what the acronym stands for um, thank you. Um, so it just, in, in fact, going back to that just slightly and, and a point that you raised, Carol, um, around who is who is responsible, who takes responsibility, even that within modules and throughout university years, that can change because if you think about a, a sort of 18-year-old undergraduate who's come from A-levels, who's received a lot of support, pastoral care, um, the teachings, like it's very much a teacher-learner dynamic rather than an academic and researcher. But actually what we want to do as universities is we want to develop um, self-directed learners, lifelong learners. So we almost have to make that transition from quite an early stage where there's quite a lot of guidance to the stage where students are doing this for themselves. So whatever model we think about or create, um, I guess, is dependent on, on the sort of learners you want to end up at the end of it and, and how you progress through that model so it's not necessarily static yeah um, something that we did talk about near the end of um, the session as well was how do we track how do we track this engagement um, whether that's using the tools that we have available to us and um, whether that is focus groups talking to students staff um, or yeah how do you how do you track how do you track social engagement how do you track collaborative um, engagement one of the things that i it comes to my mind when i think about an engagement it's the fact that it's very subjective phenomena and as engagement can be considered as some very subjective and qualitative phenomena is there any way that we can quantitate 
you know, implement any quantitative measures to measure engagement and validate engagement. Of course, as you mentioned, that you can, um, in previous conversations that we had, that you can use uh, NSS, for example, like National Student Satisfaction Surveys. Um, and it provides with certain dimensions in which student satisfaction is being explored, but does it really measure the social aspects and social engagement? So I think you mentioned in the, in the session, Carol, uh, I think you mentioned the idea that we're trying to quantify qualitative data, um, which is really interesting, you know, how you compare apples with pears. Um, I think it is important that you do triangulate different data sets or, you know, different, uh, different sources of information in order to build the picture. It can't just be the analytics, it can't just be the NSS data. But if your NSS data is particularly poor in one area, you then have to go and look at your other sources for that information and see what kind of picture you can build up. Because that's all we have, really. I mean, um, otherwise we're just guessing. So we have to rely on the data that we have available to us. Um, and that's the best we can currently do. And playing devil's advocate, uh, do we need to measure social engagement at all? Because if you think about that, the landscape, the technological landscape and the number of, I know, educational startups that are emerging worldwide and the way the higher education looks like now compared versus how it used to look like 10, 15 years ago, they are completely two different. Well, not, not literally, but with Facebook, Instagram, um, emerging smartphones, uh, accessible tablets and you know cheap laptops and all of that that the landscape has changed for students and being focused on measuring what it is now and figuring out how we're gonna measure it it can actually distract us from pursuing the new technologies that we can successfully implement to increase that engagement even further yeah i think that's a good point you don't want the data collection to be a distraction but we all work with uh, great courses we all have examples of great courses and those ones that are really brilliant are where you know, the course is well designed, the administrator is really responsive, they've got a good well-being team, the academic is doing stuff, there is lots of student engagement. And, and so we know or we have a good idea that student engagement is a big part of that. Um, and, and in order to convince others that that's what they need to do, there needs to be some sort of grounding with evidence that backs it up. So yes, it shouldn't be a distraction, but it, I think it's definitely important. So you have the good courses, you have the good academics, the good examples. Um, how do we increase kind of um, staff staff engagement within this? So the the middle middle thirty forty percent that kind of are interested. How do we engage those? Because as as it says in the paper, it is in order to kind of get student engagement first, you must start with staff engagement. How do we get? How do we get staff engagement? Or what does staff engagement look like? I think that's really interesting. So there are some staff that will just do it on their own, and they don't need any help. As you've just indicated, there are those who need the help um, and are willing to do it, and that's where we come in. Um, so, our, in my opinion, our focus should be on those that want to engage but don't quite know how, and then there are those that know how but don't particularly have the time or the inclination of doing it. And then there are those who perhaps will be a lot more difficult. 
but the quick wins are going to be in those people who, who want to do it and just need a bit of extra support. I do agree, I, I do agree with that, but in terms of students and the students' experience, if you're going to neglect or not deal with people who are, as you mentioned, difficult, how does it translate to the student experience and what, do, what can we do to take those people on board? I, I guess my worry in, in focusing too much on places where the staff aren't engaged are you expend a lot of energy uh, with little to no reward, whereas if you can make an immediate impact, then there's a kind of a tipping point at which you've got more academics mm. on board than aren't. And so it's not just for us in our team to kind of suggest this, but we then have advocates or even more advocates who are academics who can kind of spread the message for us. So we're increasing our pool of people who are kind of on, on the same side as us, right. on the same team as us. Um, you know, we have we all have limited capacity and it makes sense to use that capacity to try and make our lives and their lives easier. And, and that's done through, um, I think, initially through quick wins. No, that's all we can do, quick wins. Um, and on that note, I hope we've had a quick win. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and see you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast. If you liked what you've heard, please do listen to more of our podcasts and please do engage with us on the topics we've raised.